0: This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious, sugar-free, electrolyte drink mix. I tried this recently after hearing about it on another podcast, and since then, I've stocked up on boxes and boxes of this and usually use it one to two times per day. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks. As a coach or an athlete, you will not find a better product that focuses on the essential electrolytes your body needs during competition. Element has become a staple in my own training and something we are excited to offer our coaches and student athletes as well. Element is used by military special forces teams, Team USA weightlifting, at least five NFL teams and more than half the NBA. You can try it risk free. If you don't like it, Element will give you your money back, no questions asked. They have extremely low return rates. Element came up with a very special offer for you as a listener to this podcast. For a limited time, you can claim a free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. For U.S. customers, this means that you can receive an eight-count sample pack for only $5. Simply go to drinkelement.com slash justinclimo. That's drinklmnt.com slash justinclimo to claim your free eight-count sample pack drinkelementcom slash justinclimo. Cypress Grove Studios is supported by the Canyon Properties Group, the number one real estate team in Pebble Beach in Carmel, California. They specialize in ocean and golf front properties and have been leading the industry for over 35 years. If you've ever played golf in Pebble Beach or taken a run along Carmel Beach, you've definitely seen their listings. As their team has grown, they've expanded into dramatic ocean view homes in the Carmel Highlands, Most recently, into the Santa Lucia Preserve, which encompasses about 10,000 acres with just 300 home sites, a Tom Fazio golf course, and over 100 miles of private trails. If you're looking for a seasonal getaway or interested in moving here full time, be sure to reach out to Jess Canyon. I've known Jess for several years and have learned how complicated and diverse properties are in this area. She'll help you dial in the search to find what you're looking for, and like every great team, they focus on the details, execute it every step, and work as a group to provide the best value for each of their clients. For more information about the team and to check out their current listings, please visit www.canningproperties.com/y-sports. Once again, that's www.canningproperties.com/y-sports. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, Welcome to Why Sports, a podcast designed to highlight the value of athletics as a foundation for any career path. Through interviews with professionals across industries, we discuss the impact of being part of a team, competition, learning to fail, and how those lessons transcend athletics into the workplace. Join us as we explore the importance of sports as professional development while our guests share what they have learned throughout their career. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back to Y Sports. We are joined today by Brian Bajari, Stevenson, class of 1990, fellow alum, legend, current Hall of Fame inductee, founder of the Sparrow Challenge nonprofit organization. Brian, super pumped to have you here. How are you doing?
1: Justin, what a great day. So good to see you, my man. I am happy to be back in the pirate sphere and with you today. So thank you for having me.
0: Fantastic. Let's jump in if you don't mind. I'm always curious as a former athlete and one that played collegiately and one that obviously was a multi-sport guy when you were here at school. But I wonder in the path that you have chosen, which has meandered a little bit and, and you've now founded this new nonprofit, but in what way has your background in athletics helped shape your journey? What lessons have you relied on as you've navigated these changes and the things that have come up over time?
1: Sure. Without being too cliche about it, I think obviously when you're on a team and team athletics, a little bit different than individual athletics as you coach, but being on a team, you're on mission, you're on mission to accomplish something. And some of the fondest memories people have is when they've been on a team doing something that's bigger than themselves, right? You are acting collectively, working collectively with each other. You're pulling each other up and helping each other cross the goal line, make the touchdown, do whatever it might be. And so that for all my life I've always enjoyed building teams that are looking to do something a little bit better for this world. And so the nonprofit space has always drawn me because I found, especially my athletic experience, not just at Stevenson but elsewhere, that being on a team and doing something bigger than myself is incredibly rewarding. And it's something we look back on with, with pride, with hope for a better world. And the fact that ultimately at the end of the day, where there might've been fear, love and hope win. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's how it's informed me. You can get more specific if you want.
0: Well, no, I love that answer because I often talk to people about the mission and vision of our sports program here, which I say is we're trying to teach these kids to be part of something bigger than themselves and to learn leadership and obviously followership as well, and how to thrive in whatever role they currently have while they are striving for the role that they want. And I think you touched on a lot of those concepts early on. But if we go back for a minute and talk about after you left college and got into the work field, if I remember correctly, you were a pastor for a time working with homeless population here in Monterey, and then you got into the nonprofit space. Can you take us a little bit through your background professionally and how you pivoted from each thing to where you are now?
1: Sure. Yeah. After college, I went into a youth mentoring program, nonprofit, spent some time there as a director, and then moved a uh, kicking and screaming in some ways back to Carmel where I did become a pastor for young people, for students, and then I, we started leading a church service for people who are disenfranchised from the church. Mm-hmm. And then that led me to identifying, and I think it's really crucial, in, in the whole entrepreneurial space, underutilized assets, meeting undervalued demand, is something. And I realized, man, a lot of church is just sitting and it's a lot of up here. And I'm, I'm a doer. I like getting my hands dirty. When I played football, I love getting bloody. I loved the dirt. I love getting the grass in my helmet. But one of the things that happened, I, I ended up getting invited to go to East Africa to Uganda with an NGO, which is an international version of a nonprofit, non governmental organization. And it specialized in PTSD intervention training for kids who've been traumatized by war, mm-hmm. by sexual trafficking. And so I spent some time in refugee camps and slums. And one of my favorite poems, this is from Mary Oliver, and it's the best. I always tell it everywhere I go. It's called Instructions for Living a Life Three lines Instructions for Living a Life. Pay attention be astonished, tell about it. Hmm. And I think a lot of times we don't pay attention. I think what athletics teaches us is to pay attention. Our coaches back in the day, Coach Young, I remember the Stockdale brothers, they said, head on a swivel, head on a swivel. You're always paying attention. I always tell my kids, head on a swivel, pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I paid attention to the kids that I was seeing in the refugee camp. I'll give you one short kind of story. I'm, I'm writing notes, and these, they're all boys. There's a dozen, 14 of them, all around the age of 12, 13, some a little bit younger. So these kids, they were former child soldiers, and they somehow got out of the militia. They end up pretty much homeless because their village has been decimated, and so they end up in a care camp or a refugee camp. Really, it's an IDP camp, an internally displaced persons camp, which is different than a refugee camp when you go to a different country. Anyhow... So I'm taking notes of all the names of the boys and with my translator, who's the one that I'm also helping do the interventions with, I'm already astonished. Some kids have their ears cut off. Some kids have their nose cut off and I I leave the camp the next morning. I come back to my group of boys and I notice something I'm looking at them. I'm I'm paying attention. I'm realizing they're all the same boys, but something's changed because I've written On my notes what each of the boys were wearing and i realized in an instant oh my god they've all exchanged their clothes with one another Mm -hmm. they've taken the the only things that they own the shirt off their back in order to create community with one another they gave it to each other and it just it dropped me Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if you have ever had those experiences when Mm -hmm. something drops you it's like i had tears in my eyes Mm -hmm. because i i live we live in, in the most beautiful part of the world. And in terms of history, in terms of context, one of the wealthiest in the history of the world. And I know for a fact, we don't do that. I'm not coming over to, hey man, wear my shirt. Yeah, I'm going to wear your shirt. We just know we don't do that. We don't understand that kind of community. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that team mentality even there with these kids who've experienced the worst that humanity can ever experience build community with one another. And so that informed me as I was going back and forth between Uganda and Kenya, and and then up into the Middle East, parts of Gaza Strip and and the West Bank, everywhere I went, I would see similar kinds of accounts of stories. And so coming back to the States, that's how it informed me Mm -hmm. by paying attention, underutilized assets, meaning people sitting in churches doing nothing. Median undervalued demand. There are people outdoors in Monterey who are living that don't have anything. Let's do something with people outdoors. So we call it a shame-free church. Mm-hmm. It was on the beach. Anybody was welcome, no matter what they believe, what they don't believe. If they're atheist, agnostic, religious, or non-religious, what they did last night, what they wish they hadn't done last night, you're welcome there. And, and now that became mission, right? Instead mm-hmm. of just sitting we're all on mission together, taking care of each other, listening to each other's needs. And cops would show up for good reasons. And there'd be a chaotic liturgy where sometimes we, we have a guy who's hopped up on meth and he interrupt everything, tell everybody his problems. And we just have to stop and listen for a bit. So anyhow, long, long story short, that's how I got into the space, identifying underutilized assets, a whole lot of people sitting in church pews, chairs, whatever, not doing a whole lot, just listening Mm -hmm. and actually involving them into the lives of other people and watching change happen, watching community flourish. And and since then, I've now refocused my my attention onto students doing very similar kinds of work. So it's all all teamwork, Justin, it's all teamwork.
0: Yeah, let me pull some threads in that. So you build this Church on the Beach, this same free space where people can talk. And I remember there was a point where a big need for you was socks. And you're talking about this exchanging of shirts while you're in Uganda. And it's these foundational assets that people take for granted, but are so important to the groups you're working with. Are there things that you've been able to pay attention to and then be astonished by, which have narrowed your vision and your scope, which now you're doing with Sparrow as a result of all of these experiences. And what is the mission there as you try to now steer these kids on their mission?
1: I'll tell you what, and this is great. It'll tie some real great threads together here, the kind of the labyrinth of everybody's story. We'll do some Theseus work here going into the labyrinth and working (laughs) our way back out. So here's the thing I I realized, and, and let's go to Stevenson now. Because yep. you invited me to speak at, at an assembly mm-hmm. a few years ago, and I talked about some of the, the work that I've been doing at the time, and I appreciate that time. It was fun to be there with your students. Mm-hmm. And this one little freshman kid came down after the assembly, said, hey, man, I want to help. I want to help. He was inspired. He was mm-hmm. like, I'm like, all right kid's name is matt and you know who i'm talking about yep and and, and matt said i want to come, come out next sunday and help you at the, at the beach church i'm like matt hold on people promise me all the time they're going to come and help then they don't come and help and then they feel guilty when they see me i'm like dude just show up when you show up and so matt i didn't expect it but matt i see this brand new mercedes pulled up matt's dad's driving i didn't know him at the time and matt pops out of the car this little red-headed freshman and he's got two grocery bags. I'm like, dude, what do you, hey, Matt, good to see what you bring. He said, now now, this is key. Matt said, I thought you guys are already taking care of breakfast because we do a meal sharing. We do a breakfast every Sunday morning. I thought you guys were doing breakfast. So I thought I'd wake up early with my family and make a bunch of bag lunches. So now he's, again, he's thinking entrepreneurially, mm-hmm. underutilized assets, meeting undervalued demand. And so He's like, oh man, what should I do? I'm like, well, we should probably pass those lunches out. I think some of the guys would love them. And uh, sure enough, I knew three things would happen. Matt, oh, dude, I'm scared now. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Matt, it's going to be fine. So he said, All right. I said, if something happens, just yell my name, I'll come running. But of course, when you don't understand a population, right. there's always fear involved. They look different, they sound different sometimes, maybe smell a little bit, whatever but not everybody's like that. And so Matt passed out the lunches and, and I don't know, 30, 40 minutes later, he came back smiling ear to ear. And I knew three things would happen. The first is every 99% of our outdoor, I call them our outdoor living neighbors, not just homeless, because that's a monolithic stereotype that a lot of us have. Yep. Every single one of them says two words. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Gratitude, now gratitude's being exchanged. Yep. The second thing that's gonna happen, not everyone, the second thing that's gonna happen is, hey man, kid, what's your name? I I don't see kids out here too much. My name's Road Dog. And so Matt is exchanging names and in sociology and anthropology, the exchange of names is building relationship. It's building a bridge, it's intimacy. Somebody's name and boom, there's something really neat there. Mm -hmm. Third thing that's gonna happen, not everybody, but a good percentage. They've been talking to the same people or haven't talked to anybody at all. They're gonna like, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? Here's a little bit of my story. Mm-hmm. And Matt's gonna find out, oh, this guy who looks like he's 22, he's a veteran. He's just got back from Afghanistan. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that one in five homeless in our country is a veteran. And oh, this is a mom who's dressed well, but she's out here living in, in her car because she got divorced and she doesn't have a way to pay rent. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's a kid who's a runaway from Utah who's 17 or something. And so everyone has a story. Not, no one dreams of being homeless at the age of 10. Something went sideways in their life. Right. And, and so Matt was smiling and, and, and he went off back with his dad, who was too scared to get out of his car initially. But he became a real powerhouse in his own and yeah. the whole Gibbs family. Matt yep. Gibbs, way to go. I, I didn't know if I'd see him again, but he got the bug. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing for Matt. He's contributing to something bigger than himself. Matt's got everything at Stevens. He's going to an amazing prep school. He lives in Pebble Beach. He's got all the material possessions that he needs. But as a human being, we need a way to get back to something bigger than ourselves. And so Matt, long, long story short, this little grassroots organization forms underneath him. Mm -hmm. Now kids from Carmel, now kids from Catalina, kids from Palma, all athletes start chipping in on bringing supplies and lunches. And this athletes that care emerges. This little, and he starts his own 501c3. And from that, so from the poorest of the poor, from the slums and the refugee camps that I saw to Pebble Beach, to the wealthiest of the wealthiest, these are universal principles. Kids aren't being asked to contribute back on their own terms. Mm -hmm. Usually it's adults telling them what to do, what the problem is. And here's the big takeaway. When we don't transform our pain, we always transmit our pain. Hmm. But when we transform our pain, it becomes a place of leadership and influence in our own lives and the lives of others. So here's the thing. Now for Sparrow, it's what we're doing, going school to school, workshop to workshop, classroom to classroom, assembly to assembly, inviting students and asking them, what is a pain point that you see in our community? And what is a solution that you would come up with? And 90% of the time, the pain points kids come up with are experiences that they've had in their own lives. Yeah. And nobody's asked them for a solution.
0: It's interesting, just to put a pin in the thing with Matt. So Athletes That Care, he graduated two, three years ago. And that organization is still going with the next generation of leadership and our current seniors that just graduated who are still running that and have tapped into the next generation as well. Obviously, not everybody knows Matt like you and I do, but special kid and a special leader. And it's great that he was able to grab that. Now, with Sparrow, I like this idea. What, what's a pain point that you see in community, which usually comes from their own experience if you could maybe a few bullet points just share hey here are some of the things that are being worked on within the sparrow group these are things that people who aren't in our community ber- that are listening in other communities can work with their own children can work with their communities to maybe address and get the juices flowing.
1: yeah great so i'll give you a, so everything every conceivable thing that you can think of from racism bullying cyberbullying, loneliness, mental health, environmental issues, on and on the list, gun violence, on and on the list goes. These kids are coming up with their own little programs, own little solutions. They create their own teams. And the anthropologist uh, Victor Turner and his wife Edith Turner, they have this concept called communitas in the anthropological language. And communitas is basically community that's on mission, community that is in the liminality space of the not yet and the not knowing what is going to happen. And so really what we're inviting these students on is their own kind of Joseph Campbell-esque hero's journey. And they get the invitation. I'm the get, I'm, I'm one who gets to invite them to come across the threshold and they form their own alliances. And I'll give you another example. This girl, a young girl out in Hollister, she's in eighth grade and different kind of community, farming community, for those who don't know this area, farming community, ag, a lot of ag, and she had this thing about, she wants to be a marine biologist because she sees all the plastics from the agricultural industry making its way into the ocean. So she's this shy little thing. She doesn't ever want her name out there. She told me, don't put my name out there, but I can tell her, tell you that she is now in ninth grade, but was in eighth grade when this project was going on and still going on. She said she lives in this apartment building and she brought her brother, who's like in first grade and went knocking door to door, asking if she could collect all the recyclables from each apartment. And ninety-five percent of the apartment residents said, "Yeah, sure." So she created the schedule where she would come by each apartment, collect all the recyclables, bring them to the exchange center, get the money from the exchange center, and then she would, as community, she bought laundry detergent for that was environmentally friendly for the commonplace laundry room, and and so this shy girl, she's understanding that what the real world is all about her team is her brother and herself and that grew up into other people joining her Mm -hmm. parts of the apartment building so it informs this kind of confidence it informs this kind of uh sense of i i am actually doing something meaningful i don't have to have my graduate degree i'm in middle school i don't have to have money i can do it now so those are some of the projects the kids get involved with. And we have uh, right now one of our our alumni friends, Pete Yankst, great guy, his daughter, identified a problem that wealthy kids have access to ACT, SAT prep materials. And so she decided to create her own Sparrow Challenge project called Kea Cares. Her name's Kea. And and she has collected now over $250,000 worth of prep materials that have been donated to her. And she has over 50 students across the country low-income students that have received those prep materials and so she's utilizing her own pain point of oh my god i i have advantages living in carmel that other kids around our county and our country don't i'm going to do something about it
0: yeah that's great you need to get her connected with me because we have a ton of those things at the end of every year that we can probably contribute to that so
1: uh, oh that'd be wonderful i'm going to do that i'm going to get off and i'm going to email her today then
0: Absolutely. No, I think that's great. The Hollister story really speaks to the scale of problem solving that you want to do. Her deal started on this grand scale, but really at the end of it, it's just like, I'm going to uplift my community in where I live by doing something as simple as providing detergent for everybody to utilize as a group and it's that being part of something bigger than yourself that we mentioned that you definitely got from sports and something that I emphasize here at the school what other lessons would you say have served you most that came from your sports experience or your athletic background that show up day-to-day in your coaching of these students on this journey are there mantras are there things that you keep going back to the well on that you could offer
1: great question. Thanks, Justin. What's popping to mind right now, right away. So I'm going to go with it. I always trust the nudges and the instincts. Yeah. I was a running back for a reason. I love finding the holes for just they pop up somewhere and something pops and I got to go. So I'm going to go on into this hole, see where it goes. So, well, I got to play over at Dartmouth college, play football. It was great there, but here's the lesson. The takeaway is find a way to be the most valuable, be the most valuable in whatever part of the team you can possibly be, be valuable. You may not be the fastest, you may not be the strongest, you may not have a great arm, you may not have a, you know, the ability to jump over somebody, but you can find a way to be valuable. And so when I, I got to be on a, we all had traveling partners, right, on the Dartmouth football team, and my traveling partner was a guy named Matt Brizica. And Matt, his, his sophomore year was sophomore quarterback of the year. They won the Ivy League championship and, and was all New England, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That summer, a new, a new transfer came in from, gosh, was he living in Michigan at the time? I don't remember where he was living. But a, a guy who came in, the coach at the end of training after a summer football camp said, Matt, you're no longer our number one guy. And as a guy who's done everything, who won the championship, was sophomore uh, athlete of the year, all New England, he's, he must have felt devastated. Mm-hmm. But, so I, I got to travel with this guy. Mm -hmm. and so he came back to the coaches he said coach I thought about it for a long time and and I I really I know I can be valuable as a backup but I'm also a a competitor Mm -hmm. and I want to compete for another position on the team they're like the coaches were stunned what do you mean I want to compete for receiver we got a lot of good receivers he said well give me a chance and so he competed for a position sure enough he got the number one position and guess he was the number one receiver that year with Jay Fiedler at the quarterback helm was Matt? So he found a way to be the most valuable in his team, even though he was the most valuable player the year before. Somebody else that came in, future Miami Dolphins quarterback, mm-hmm. and and really did dominate the Ivy League at the quarterback position was better than Matt at that position. But Matt said, "No, I'm going to find another way to be valuable on the team." And I always love that story. That to me mm-hmm. characterizes what true sportsmanship is really about. You find a way to be the most valuable.
0: No, absolutely. And I think what it speaks to me is this idea of role definition and fluidity and understanding that you are part of the greater good and why we spoke before we started recording about how the mandate or the non-negotiable in my house is that my kids are going to play three sports a year and they're going to be seasonal athletes and they you know can still train in the one they love but the idea of hey you might be the proverbial dude on one team and you might be warm in the bench and the, you know, most enthusiastic supporter on the other team. And you've got to be able to move between those roles because when your career is over, guess what life is? It's exactly what you just described in regards to, no, this is the role I need to play. You're in Uganda and you've got a translator and you're playing certain roles because you have to, right? Without him, you can't be successful. And somebody mentioned this the other day. It was like, Hey, the guy that puts the piano on stage at a Billy Joel's concert, how important is that guy when people don't really think about that? So that story definitely speaks to me in that way. If you could give a sales pitch, if you think about, hey, your kids have all played athletics, why do you start them in that? What's valuable? What are the things that you just can't get anywhere else?
1: You can't, and really, and I'll speak to coaches on this too, because coaches, you are the most valuable in those kids' lives. They're good coaches and they're not so good coaches. And coaches need to find a way, and you know this is a coach, that each kid is different. Each student is different. They all respond emotionally, psychologically, in different kinds of ways. So what a student will understand is, hey, it requires one thing, bravery. Yeah. Putting yourself out there. And when you learn bravery, you also learn, and Brene Brown, that the psychologist, talks about this, you cannot have bravery without vulnerability. You, you cannot have vulnerability without bravery. Mm-hmm. And that's life. You learn that. She interviewed the Navy SEALs. She interviewed first responders, firefighters. She interviewed professional athletes. Every single one of them says, athletics or teamwork teaches you bravery, but bravery is also it's flip side is vulnerability and you have to rely on other people, especially in team uh, sports to get your backside for sure. So that's what I would say for kids who are thinking about, should I go out there? Maybe I'm not fast. You know what? Get out there, have a little bravery, get a little vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And and for coaches respect that Mm -hmm. And, and tease more of that out in the kid, because sometimes kids are absolutely terrified. They just don't want to be made fun of or laughed at or judged and coaches have to have that subtle art of saying you know what you you belong here you're safe here you matter you belong what's coming to mind right now actually I'll run with it is on one of those Uganda trips I'm always talking to the caregivers the providers of the emotional care but Ugandans it, it, a lot of them tend to be very demure towards Americans they think we're a better powerful a better people. So I'm always asking questions. I want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to learn anything about what I'm saying, but I want to learn from you. And so I turned to this guy and who's sitting next to me in the bus turns out he was a professional soccer player, grew up in the slums, went to college on basically what we call a scholarship in Uganda. And after his little professional career, he decided his mission was to go back to the slums and help kids. Through soccer, get them kind of what we're talking about: teamwork, a mentality of being on a larger mission than themselves. And then he paid attention. He noticed something. He noticed that a lot of kids didn't want to play soccer, and because they they get hurt and they weren't fast. And so he thought to himself, and he paid attention to the nudge. You know what? I learned this board game called chess, and I'm gonna start a chess club in the slums. Mm-hmm. And so he did that. And sure enough, kids started coming out and he provided a, a, a meal and more kids came out. And the story goes, and it's a true story that was made into a Disney movie not too long ago called Queen of Cotway. And he is the coach in that movie. And this girl, Fiona, who's a slum kid, follows her brother to this chess club. In the movie, it's a great, powerful clip where Fiona comes in and she's smelly and she's dirty and all the kids are making fun of her. And one kid's really calling her a pig and Fiona rears back and cocks him in the face, just just cold cocks him. (laughs) And uh, everybody starts yelling and the coach turns around and he says, and this this is my friend Katende, he says, hey, I see we have a fighter on our hands. (laughs) We love fighters, come join our club. And turns out Fiona is a prodigy. And she is now Vine to be the first grandmaster female chess player in all of Sub-Saharan Africa. And she's Mm -hmm. now at Harvard. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the coach noticed, right? Mm -hmm. He noticed. Mm -hmm. And that's the art of coaching and, and drawing out that subtlety that bravery, that vulnerability in a kid. And that to me is just so powerful. And if you haven't watched the movie, Queen of Cotway is a fantastic movie to show kids. It's just, it's amazing.
0: Love that story. And that's another example of paying attention and being astonished that you there mentioned you earlier in the Mary Oliver poem. And the last piece of that tell about it. How do people share their stories? How do they get in touch with you if they want to get involved with Sparrow and they have an idea that? Maybe could use some coaching and some mentorship. Where can people find you, Brian?
1: Yeah, you can find me on social media all over the place, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. But we have Sparrow Challenge, S-P-E-R-O Challenge. Sparrow as in I hope. It's Latin, I hope. And it sounds like the bird too. So sparrowchallenge.com. You can email me through that. You can uh, find me last name B-A-J-A-R-I on any social media. Just hit me up. And if if you hear this and and are interested in the Sparrow Challenge, either for your school, for your family, for your business, I am happy to help uh, in that endeavor. And we have a, a whole process that we go through. So it's super fun. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being here today, Brian. Appreciate it. Good catching up. Hey, and one
1: more, one more thing, Justin, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you appreciate your willingness to put yourself out there, be a little vulnerable yourself and not know where this goes. But it's great hearing the stories of other athletes from Stevenson who aren't professional athletes, but how their athletics have informed their journeys. And, and I got to give a shout out to all my coaches at Stevenson who really have informed my journey. And you know who you are, Coach Young, Coach Tennell, all the other assistant coaches, you guys know who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you much gratitude and thank you Justin. why sports is brought to you by the canning properties group
2: the number one real estate team in pebble beach and carmel california specializing in ocean and golf front properties for 35 years if you're looking for a seasonal getaway or interested in moving here full-time head to canningproperties.com backslash Y sports and they will dial up a search just for you
0: Hi, this is Natasha McHill, recreational tennis player at the club at Pasadena and labor and delivery nurse. Ever feeling tired after a long day at work or after a tough practice? Try Element. That's L-M-N-T for the energy you're missing in your life. It's sugar-free and filled with electrolytes your body needs for energizing power. Try it risk-free, money-back guarantee with our special offer at drink element, that's L-M-N-T dot com slash Justin Climo. You only pay the shipping, what's there to lose? Power up!
2: The Cypress Grove Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Delta Wines and Brick and Mortar, our everyday go-to with sustainability built in. Delta Wines are vibrant yet balanced, made to be enjoyed on a special occasion. Brick and Mortar was founded in 2011 and has worked to create the European Wine Drinkers California Wine. The wines are small lot, single vineyard, sourced from Napa, Sonoma County, and the Mendocino Ridge. In addition to tasting good, they also help you feel good with eco-friendly packaging and environmental non-profit donations from every purchase. Buy online at winesforchange.com. In addition, use the code CONTACTS to support us and get a discount. The presentation is beautiful, the wines are great, and you're supporting saving the earth. What more do you need? Again, that's online at winesforchange.com. Discount code
0: CONTACTS at checkout. If you found this valuable, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and give Y Sports and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support.